Well, before we get started, I want to be reminded of what we're told in Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are laid bare to the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's, as you guys open up your word this morning, that's God's word. Be reminded this morning, as you open up God's word, as you crack a Bible open, if you don't have one, there's one in front of you, in a, in a chair in front of you, as you break up that, it, hopefully you open it up a lot this past week, as you break it open, I want to remind you, this is God's word, and that's what we're going to read this morning. And uh, this morning we're going to look at a cr- critical issue for our church. And I say our church, but I, it's for, it could be for a lot of churches out there. But I want to focus on RBC this morning. This is something that affects everyone that walks through these doors. Everyone. Who walks on this church campus from young to old. New believers, old believers. Newcomers. And those who have been here since the church started. It affects our youth group, our young adults, Bible studies, and Awanas, and the list can go on and on and on. It affects every, every aspect of ministry. And I'm going to skip a couple pictures here this morning. But uh, the title of our, my sermon this morning is the, the Keys to Unity in Our Church. And, and this has come up and been on my mind the past month or so. Uh, more so, but it's always on my mind a little bit. The keys to unity in our church. If you want to turn in your Bibles, Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 1, 1 through 3. We'll be looking at that this morning. You guys there? Ready? Good stuff. Let's read it together. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul is, is talking here to, to the believers in Ephesus, and we need to look at some context here before we begin. He begins a letter encouraging the saints not to forget the heavenly benefits that are in Christ Jesus. Chapter 1 talks about that in the chapter 2. He reminds them where their lives were prior to knowing Christ and what a difference Christ has made in their lives. And the question I have for you this morning, hopefully you're not too tired. You guys don't look tired at all. How has Christ changed your life? Do you remember how your life was before Christ? What was your life like before Christ? Tell me about it. They can be one word answers or they can be a little bit. But what was your life like before Christ? What's that? Selfish, I hear? Yeah, what else? Driven. What's that? 
Never satisfied. Wow, yeah. What else? Your life before Christ. Not worth talking about, about, Will. Yeah. Yeah, I want to forget it. I want to look at what Christ has done, and I want to press on towards that goal of what Christ is continuing to do, right? What else? Disillusioned. Yeah. What else? Empty. Empty for sure. I wrote down hopeless. I was hopeless before I knew Christ. I was headed for destruction. And God, out of His grace and His kindness and His love, called me as His own son into His family. He has adopted me as a son, as a part of His household. And for that, I'm I'm forever grateful. And I can take no credit for that at all. None of us can. But there were certain circumstances back in the early church that you may not be aware of. So what nationality or ethnic background was the, what, that made up the early church? What was it? Jews. Jews, right? And, and, but as the gospel went, went, out, went out of Jerusalem, what happened? As, as people went and told others about Christ and what He has done, Gentiles came to know Christ as the gospel was proclaimed. So it started off as Jews, but as people, as the gospel went out from Jerusalem, Gentiles came to know Christ. Praise God for that. Paul is speaking to Gentiles and Jews alike here, telling them that Christ has called both of them to be a part of the household of God. And we read here, Ephesians 2.19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. How awesome is that? He continues to say, no, you Jews, yes, you received Christ, but look, God has, has given the gospel, the good news to the Gentiles. He says they're a part of the household of God also. And Ephesians 3.6 says, the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's what they were. So tell me, what kind of relationship did the Jews have with the Gentiles in the first century? What kind of relationship did they have? Shaky. What do you mean by shaky? What else? They looked down on them. Who, who are these Gentiles? We, we'd never said hi to the Gentiles before. We never even rubbed shoulders with the Gentiles before. So now we see why, why Paul mentions in chapter 4, verse 1 to 3, to be diligent to preserve the bond of unity and peace because how important that is. Jews and Gentiles had a huge dividing wall in their relationship back then. Jews would not even talk or walk by Gentiles. No. Or even rub shoulders. And now Christ has broken down that dividing wall through His death and resurrection and desires for His people to be built up and unified in the Spirit. He's calling them out. He's saying, remember where you were. Look at your life now, what Christ has done. Preserve the unity of, the, of believers, of the body of Christ. And what does it mean to be unified? What does it mean to be unified? As you guys would think of that word this morning. A lot of questions in our sermon this morning. What does it mean to be unified? What would you say? Working towards a common goal. Working one mind together, together in, in harmony. 
being of the same mind? And secondly, here's another question, and you don't have to answer this out loud necessarily. Are we unified? As we look at this verse this morning, and as we ask ourselves these questions, what does it mean to be unified? We have to ask ourselves as a church, are we unified? It's just something you have to ask. (laughs) Are we unified? Oh, great. Now it kind of gets pointed to us, you know. As a church, as a body of believers, are we unified? And in the dictionary, describe just what you guys have said. To be in harmony, to be of the same mind, to be encouraging, to lift, lift one another up, to build up the body. We may not struggle with, with unity between Jews and Gentiles of the first century, but what are some differences between us that challenge our unity that you can think of? What are some things that would challenge unity in our church? What would be some of those things? Personalities, yeah. Personalities. What else? I put generation gaps. That can challenge unity sometimes. What's that? Being wronged, for sure. We'll talk about being willing to ask for forgiveness and also forgiving others. We're going to talk about that later. How that is a crucial part to being unified. And one thing that can really break unity in a church is unforgiveness. Beyond, beyond the body. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, I'm not going to forgive that person. You're breaking unity. And that's not good for the body of Christ. And you need to resolve that. What else? Socioeconomics. People's wages, I guess. Ethnicities. New believers. Old timers. I've seen that. Newcomers. Versus, I've been here for centuries. I know how things are supposed to go. I know how things are supposed to be ran. And if they're not run that way, I'm going to put up my nose and make a big stink about it. Right? Newcomers coming in going, I don't care (laughs) how things are ran. I just love God and I want to learn how to grow deeper in Him. What's all this disunity going on? What else? Traditional services versus contemporary. Oh, man. Too loud this morning. Actually, I don't think it was. I think we could have cranked it up a couple more notches, actually. Too loud. The first thing you know, people do is they walk out these doors. They say, well, what are the five things that I could say about church this morning that were wrong? If you even go there, you're coming with a horrible heart to worship God. Horrible. Disunity. It's going to breed disunity. And it's just going to be a stench in our church. All of us come from many different backgrounds and cultures and experiences, and now we're all children of God. And we all come from these crazy backgrounds, different experiences, and God says, preserve unity in the body. Preserve it. What are the keys to unity? We're going to talk about some of these this morning. First key on your bulletin. I'm actually doing a little film this morning. I know, kind of crazy, a little different, stepping out of my comfort zone. Uh, unity. unity, for sure. First key, you are people of God, live like it. Straightforward. God says in, in Ephesians 4, he says, live in a manner, walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have been called. And what does that manner look like? Unity. Unity in the church. You're people of God. 
live like it. Very few things discredit the people of God than disunity. If people come to our church and find us opposite of verse 2 later on, where it talks about we want to be unified, gentle, and humble, they can find more unity with the Hell's Angels and a sports team. They can. That's one thing that will discredit us as a church is being disunified. People come in and say, there's no unity here. I can find more unity on my baseball team. We're brothers. We stand beside one another. It's one thing that discredited it. I had a high school student tell me once that it was much easier for him to make friends with non-believers at a public high school than it was with believers at his church. My heart broke. (laughs) Because I'm thinking in my mind, going, wow, if you don't make close friends here and you can't get involved with the body of Christ here in a church and you see the disunity happening, but you can make friends at school that aren't aren't believers, Isn't, isn't there something wrong there? Something's wrong. And that shouldn't be the case. That should never be the case at all. And we're seeing it happen today. We're seeing it happen. People leave a church because, wow, I, I, I make better friends with my gardening club. You know? And they're not even believers. And we have great conversations. And they actually encourage me. I don't feel ostracized when I walk into a room. I actually feel like I belong, and that needs to happen here. This first key, live a life worthy of your calling. You are people of God. Live like it. It's huge. We're called to to love others. Second key, be completely humble before others. Be completely humble before others. Do you ever notice that you don't want to be around prideful people? I do. I notice it. I notice on American Idol, if you guys ever watch that, that's our generation gap thing. Um, if you guys ever watch American Idol, there's a guy on there. His name's David Cook. He is prideful. He sings really good, and he knows it, and I don't like him. <laughs> he just has this pride about him. Oh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, you're good, but be a little bit more humble about it, and then I like you. Um, snobs, know-it-alls, those type of people just cause problems. It caused problems in the early church, and it causes problems now. Same thing happens. My way or the highway type people. That causes disunity. We can't stand these people. We like to be around people who are humble. Check out this passage. Show it here. So as those who have been chosen of God, there it is again, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility. There it is. Gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Love. God is calling us to put on a heart of humility. One key way we are humble in our church is to be quick to forgive others. One key way we're, we're humble in our church is be quick to forgive and only, not only be quick to forgive, but also be quick to ask for forgiveness. It goes two ways. 
And then we read that genuine love is the perfect bond or, or glue for unity. Genuine love. God is calling us to be a loving body of believers, and there's no love in a prideful heart. Pride says, once again, me. It's all about me. How can I be served? How can I be loved? Will anybody love me? Humility, having a humble heart says, as I come in, how can I serve you? How can I forgive you? Can I ask for forgiveness? There's this, there's this way that you'd come up to someone and with the wall broken down say, how can I come and be a brother and, and serve you and just love on you? How can I do that this morning? And it's going to take the power of God reshaping our hearts and our minds as we walk in these doors. Another way we can demonstrate humility is considering others as more important than yourselves. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfishness. We heard about that. Selfishness or empty conceit, but with what? But with what? Humility. Can you say it out loud for me? Humility. Humility. Of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And we walk through these doors every time we get together. It's crucial for us to regard one another as more important than ourselves. And Paul goes on to write even about Timothy. Well, I'll read it. It's not up there. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I, I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition, for I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ. Timothy, Paul saying Timothy was a man that had a genuine concern, love, humility, and he, he loved others. He was looking out for the others' welfare, not the leaders of back in that time where they were like, hey, looking out for my own interest. How can I be made famous? My pride is huge. How can I get everyone to like me? Rather, Paul says, no, I'm sending you Timothy. He is a kindred spirit. He loves you a lot. And he's looking out for your interests rather than his own. Timothy was a man that did that. Third key, be completely gentle towards others. Completely gentle. What is the opposite of gentle? What's that? Harsh. What else? Coarse, like a sandpaper, rough. We have people that can be harsh. I've come, come across those who call themselves Christians and they are really harsh. You know what I'm talking about? Opposite of gentle. God says, you want to preserve unity in your church? Be gentle towards one another. Be gentle. They love to judge people before they can even get to know them. These type of people just drive wedges in relationships. They just love to drive wedges. Wedges, wedges. Remember the old saying, maybe you guys know this, don't judge a book by its cover. We do that often. We come in, we go, hey, that person doesn't look like me. I probably won't go up and say hi to him. That person doesn't agree with what I, you know, how, what I believe. Eh, probably not going to go up and say hi to him either. That person, mm, kind of weird. That, well, maybe that person, you know, they have a warm hand, so I'll go shake their hand this morning. And we go, 
we love to judge people before we even get to know them. And I don't know if that's happening with any of us here. It took the power of God to, to humble Jews to accept Gentiles into the full of God. Maybe some of us have been caught up in being critical and judgmental of others that have come through these doors and instead of saying, wow, how can I make that new person feel welcome? We go, they're at our church? Mm-mm. They're different. Right? Instead of going, wow, we got a new person. Let's go welcome them. Let's just shower them with God's love. And let's just go hug them, love on them, say hi to them. Instead, we go, they're not like me. I'm going to go find my normal seat every Sunday I sit in. I'm going to go warm it up. What could you have done? That person walks through the door, you say, wow, hey, my name's Shane. Come and sit with me this morning. I would love for you to come and join me in worshiping our, our Father, our Heavenly Father. Come and sit with me. Some of us like our space, too. And I'm not getting on anyone that has space by him, but i got to have at least two chairs on either side to have my experience with God be so much better on Sunday mornings. we got to get over that, too. Get over that. Gentle. Being gentle. God says in Romans 14, 19, So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. You want to be a person that's judgmental or critical or harsh or coarse? That's not making for peace and building up of one another in the church. We don't want those type of people here. Fourth key, patiently show tolerance and bear with one another in love. <laughs> I have a question for you. What's the modern day of tolerance? The modern day idea of tolerance. What would you guys say? The modern, accept anything. It's all good. What else? Modern day idea of tolerance. That might have just hit it on the head, huh? Any others? What's that? Everything's okay except Jesus. I've heard that before. Yeah, everything's okay, but when you sing a worship song on TV, don't mention Jesus at all. No way. Because that's bad. So we have this idea of tolerance. We must accept everyone's view and tolerate it. As a church, we must not tolerate unrepentant sin. Yeah, we want to tolerate people's quirks and idiosyncrasies. Yes, Pastor Matt sings a lot in the office. And how do I tolerate that? I sing along with him or I close my door. That's how I tolerate it. Matt, I'll tolerate you. I'll sing along with you. We all have little quirks about us. God says tolerate those things. The, pursue the things that make for peace and for building up one another. We must patiently show tolerance and bear with one another in love. But we will not tolerate unrepentant sin at Rancho Baptist Church. People who continue to live in sin, who are confronted with it, and they say, no, I'm going to continue to live in it, we will not tolerate those things as the world tolerates. We will be... We will approach people on those things. We will not hold sin lightly, but we will tolerate one another. Oh, you do things a little differently? I don't do them like that. But you know what? I'm going to try your way today. 
let's just kind of do things a little different. You guys all have little idiosyncrasies. I have them. You may not like them sometimes. That's okay. Please tolerate me. And so God is asking us to patiently show tolerance. I'm not talking about accepting people in our flock that have unrepentant hearts towards sin. I'm talking about longing for the heart of God and being unified in our church and making others feel like they belong and meeting some new friends and families here at RBC. And if that means that little things that they do or little idiosyncrasies that they have or little quirks bother you, you need to get over it. You need to get over it. And if you don't, it's going to be very hard for you to reach out with others, show love, bear with one another, which is a command by our awesome, almighty God, Heavenly Father. It's a command. Bear with one another. Love one another. What are some examples that we should tolerate amongst one another? I already mentioned Matt, Pastor Matt. He's awesome. He sings a lot. He's loud. He runs up and down the aisles. We can tolerate that sometimes, right? We can tolerate Stan in first service with his "Mm mm-hmm. Right? We can tolerate that because we love Stan. Right, Stan? Yep. And we, so we hear Stan go, yep, uh-huh, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yep, love God, mm-hmm. We can tolerate that, but also, I love it. I love it. Some people may come in, though, new people. They say, who's this guy? We tolerate that, right? You don't sound like that, only I do. What else would I tolerate? I would tolerate Jim Salagi not bringing his hearing aid to prayer on Tuesday mornings so that when he doesn't hear us praying, he starts praying over everyone on Tuesday mornings praying. Jim, you didn't hear us praying? Jim? (laughs) We may tolerate that and say, Jim, we just love you. You forgot your hearing aid this morning. That's okay. Pray for the whole time. I bring up a couple of joking examples. What are some things that you have found yourself not willing to tolerate with others here at RBC that you just need to let go, get over it. You can probably think about maybe some in your mind. 1 Corinthians 1.10 Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. Titus 3.10, when a divisive person comes, when a divisive person, warn, wow, I cannot read, can I borrow someone's glasses? Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time after that, have nothing to do with him. Those are some pretty strong words. How serious, God, are you about unity in your body and building up the church? I'm very serious. Warn a divisive person once, Warn him a second time after that, have nothing to do with them. We're serious about unity in our church. We're serious about it. This is perfect because we won't tolerate divisive people. We won't tolerate that. Fifth key, as we end our time here this morning. Work hard at keeping unity and peace. We, we sometimes think, okay, God, I've read it this morning. Um, I'm just going to go out and it's just going to (laughs) happen. It's just going to happen. These things are not just going to happen on their own. 
It takes hard work, obedience to Christ, and a humble, gentle spirit among believers in the church. But I am encouraged in Scripture by what Jesus says. John 13, 34, 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. I want you to look around this morning. Look around. And if you're too uh, willing not to tolerate looking around, look around anyways. I'm just kidding. Look around at people. And I want to ask you guys, do you love these people? Do you love these people? Do you love the person in front of you? Do you love the person behind you? Do you love the person on the other side of the room? Do you? God says, this is one of my favorite verses. God says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So as I take that and say, all men won't know that we love Jesus because we may not have love for one another. If we stay disunified and continue to be staunch in our love and say, I'm not going to love that person. No, that person wronged me. I'm not willing to forgive him. Blah, 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 blah. When people walk through those doors, it's going to be very, very hard for them to see that we are Christ's disciples. It's going to be extremely hard. And I don't know about you, but I know about me, I do not want it to be that hard. (laughs) I want to love people. This is something we really need to take seriously, you guys. Because I believe a lot of people come to church and they only think about themselves and there is no conscious effort to love others. Do you love the person in front of you? Do you love the person behind you, other side of the room? Will you mix? Will you reach out to those who you've never said hi to before? Not only will you, will you go beyond the highs and bys of a Sunday morning. Hello, goodbye, hello, goodbye. And will you say, hey, how's your week been? Has God been doing anything? Give me a testimony of what God's done in your life this week. I need to be encouraged. Do you have anything? (laughs) Showing love towards one another. John 17. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you have loved me. Jesus speaking there. So that the world may know that you sent me. God is commanding us to be unified and be one together. And others will walk in our church and see that we are Christ's disciples because of that love. That genuine love. Now, if you this morning feel, Shane, you're just forcing me into doing something that I don't want to do. I'm not forcing you into anything. It's God working on your heart. You need to be obedient to God's word. Shane, no, this is really hard for me. Okay, it's hard for you. Get better at it. Take little baby steps and get better. Shane, how do I do it? I'll tell you. Be out by the name tags every Sunday and greet people. You can do that. Start by that. You can shake people's hands as they walk into the church. Say, I'm really glad to see you this morning. And then take the next step. Go beyond that and say, how can I be praying for you this morning? What's going on this week in your life that that, that you're really 
maybe anxious about or worried about. I want to pray for you. What are some things people do or ways people behave that disrupt unity? Real quick, what is that? How, do, how can people disrupt unity? We talk about this. I put showing favoritism or partiality. We could do that in a church. We talked about that. Showing favoritism. Oh, this person I always meet with. I can't meet. I can't move my, my seat on a Sunday morning. I can't not, not say hi to that person. I always say hi to them every Sunday. Well, is that the only person you say hi to on Sunday morning? We can't show partiality. James 2.8, If however you are fulfilling the royal law, according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. You're committing sin, showing partiality. Let me see if I put this other verse up there. Yeah. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God (coughs) and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. God does not want us to be showing favoritism or partiality here in our church. Clicks. Not opening up to others in the body of Christ. No, Shane, this is the group I hung out with for the past 15 years. You're not going to break it. Well, I'm not really wanting to break it. I'm just wanting you to get out of your comfort zone and talk to more people than the five couples you do on a normal Sunday. That's all I'm asking. Now, that's not even me asking. God is saying, man, stop it. We had a family leave just recently because they didn't feel like they could fit in. Clicks. People being closed off to others because we're not willing to engage and welcome others and bring them into the fold of God. Shame on us. Why are we talking about this this morning? Because God desires us us to be unified. We can be self-absorbed. We only think of ourselves. And then I want to maybe end on an encouraging note. I want to have some good feedback from you guys. What are some ways we can be unified in our church and be more loving and accept everyone into the fold of the ministry that God has going here. How can we be doing that here, Rancho Baptist Church? I want to hear from you. How can, you, how can we be more welcoming to those who come in these doors for the first time? <coughs> Excuse me. For those who come in these doors for the 151st time. Yeah. Mm. To, sh- to have a friend... You must show yourself friendly. For sure. For sure. I totally agree. And, and here's this morning. Here's my challenge. The newcomer will do as they feel, whatever, but it's on us to do everything we can to say, hey, how can we welcome and, and come around you and, and serve you and love you this morning? How is that? What else? What are some other things we can be doing? <coughs> yeah, I don't know. Early? Well, you never know. Yeah. Those, those who don't take their name tags, we think you're all visitors. I mean, each and every one of you. No, just kidding. That's what we should do. 
Stan, you're on to something. Yes. I can't tolerate that, Stan. I'm just kidding. Hey, here, here's a couple ideas I came up with. Inviting others for meals over to your homes. I, I guarantee you, when my wife and I came, some of you invited us into your home for a meal. That was some of the best times that Katie and I felt unified to this church right off the bat. Shane, Katie, we want to have you over for a meal at our house. Really? First I ask what you're cooking, and then I say yes or no. Don't do it just because we're on staff. Don't show favoritism or partiality. That should be done to anyone you meet new at RBC. Shane, he's our youth pastor. We'll take him out to dinner. But this other new guy, hey, I don't know him that well. Take, take them out to dinner. Invite them to your Sunday school or Bible study on Sunday mornings during the week. Call people you haven't seen in a while to catch up and talk about life and their relationship with God. When I haven't seen a junior high or a high school student in a while, I'll call them throughout the week and they're like, whoa, you care. Cool. And they start opening up going, yeah, sorry, I haven't been there in a while. I'm like, I don't care. You know, I'm sure you had some excuses, but I just want to love you. How things go in your relationship with God? So it's good to make some calls. Or even next week, how many of you guys are planning to go to the picnic? If those, you're like, picnic? <laughs> next week we're having a picnic. All church picnic. Paula Community Park, 1 o'clock, right? Key time for us to get out and take the things that we've learned this morning and apply them to our church. Shane, where do you want me to, to take these things that I've learned this morning and actually do them? Next Sunday's a great time. As you leave and greet second service people coming in, great time. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for, for your word this morning. Lord, we know that your word is it pierces as our hearts, Lord. Divides as, as bone and marrow. Lord, we, we desperately desire to be a church that is unified so that when others walk through these doors, they do not see us. They see the awesome community of believers that love Jesus Christ. Father, we can confess having a critical and judgmental spirit, showing partiality or favoritism, being self-absorbed in our own world, Lord. Please forgive us for that. Father, encourage us in ways that we can be more uplifting and build up the body here in unity. Be gentle and humble and show tolerance for one another. Lord, with all patience. Lord, that we would forgive one another just as you have forgiven us, that, that, but that also we'd be quick to ask for forgiveness. Lord, would you come and radically change our hearts. And Lord, this morning as we take offering right now, Lord, would you just be glorified through it. Thank you for providing every need that we have in our life. Thank you for providing us all with our jobs and every, our homes and everything that we have. Lord, may you just be blessed and be encouraged, Lord, as we just offer up praise to you through our offering. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said, Amen.